it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, well, well, well. Would you look who made it back from Carson City in one piece, defying the odds. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, broadcasting, of course, live from the greatest country in the world, more specifically located at the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. We are back in action. Uh, The one thing we're not doing, though, is kicking Republicans out of our state. Wow, something crazy went on over the weekend. A nasty war on voters breaking out uh, with multiple Democratic candidates telling people who vote Republican to pack a U-Haul and just flat out leave the frickin' state. Can you imagine being that stupid? No, I can't imagine campaigning and being like, you don't vote for me. I don't want your vote. Uh, but the good news for Democrats is people really are leaving the state. Uh, the bad news is they're leaving the state because of Democratic leadership. That's true. That is true. We're going to get into it on a very busy Monday. We got some more bad math for Biden on the student loan forgiveness. And the latest on the Mar-a-Lago raid with Shannon Bream. The newly named host of Fox News Sunday. That's a swanky gig. 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. Back from Reno, but the rules remain the same uh, despite the looming contact high from hanging out with all of you maniacs in Carson City. Uh, if you call into the show, you could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a <laughs> That is all. Happy Monday. We're back. Uh, one broadcast note. Uh, I am on the 5 today at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, here on the Fox News channel. If you want to check out your radio buddy in person, I'll be on the five with Dana and the judge. And, you know, it's highest rated show on TV. It's kind of a big deal for a guy who shows up armed with nothing more than a taxi license and a community college degree. <laughs> so I got to get my game face on. Uh, but before I do, uh, we do begin with a massive shout out uh, to everybody out in the Carson City area at the Nugget this weekend. That was it was actually like magical to be the guy at the center of all of that wonderful energy. So a shout out to Dean, who runs the Nugget uh, first class all the way accommodations. The food is outrageous there. It's really like next level food at the Nugget. Everybody's super sweet on the staff. And we had a great meet and greet with KKFT and Jerry and that crew and uh, everybody who came out. You know, I say this all the time. The reason I plug these gigs, like, oh, you got to go see my show. Like, listen, dude, the way this works is I'm getting paid, okay, whether you show up or you don't show up. I'm not saying it for my self-interest. Yeah, obviously, as a comedian, you want a good crowd there. Okay, but the job doesn't change for me. What I'm trying to remind you guys is that you belong to something that's really unique in our politics right now to go to something, you know, that centers around a radio show, that centers around like a little bit of a cable news personality that's so overwhelmingly positive. You know, a lot of laughs, people making fun of each other, a lot of hanging out. We smoked cigars because one of our superstar listeners, Clay, and his wife, Heidi, gifted me a bunch of cigars. Now, in theory, if you're on TV for a living and somebody gives you, like, food or something to smoke, you're actually not supposed to smoke it. (laughs) You know, general rule of thumb, uh, you live a lot longer if you play a little defense. But we passed out Clay's cigars. We had a glorious 
after party Friday night where we all smoked cigars in the, you know, the uh, lounge area of the Nugget. And it was just so first class. And I highlight it, okay, you know, and point out that there were so many different types of people at these shows. We had an amazing Saturday night. Uh, a gay couple on their gay honeymoon. They just got married, gay marriage. They were celebrating their honeymoon this weekend. They came to a Jimmy Fallon show. Talk about romance. Uh, you know, a lot of mixed race couples, and Asian people, black people, and yes, a staggering amount of drunk white people. I'm not going to lie. But I highlight the diversity of the event because as I sat there this weekend, just kind of like drinking it all in, whether it was the meet and greets or it was the stage, you understand, like this is very new in my life. Uh, I've always done stand-up, but I've always been the guy who went on before the guy you've actually heard of. And one of the things you do as an opening act is you look at the room. You look at who comes to see this guy. And as I was sitting there on stage the other night, when I was sitting there at the meet and greets and looking at actually who comes out to see me, it really is like this humbling, amazing experience to know we have such a cool crowd. Well, the minute I drank that in, and drove myself up to the Reno airport to fly back to New York yesterday morning. I turn on the TV on the plane. I had a rare moment where my United TV set was working on the plane because I'm like 0 for 5 with United and the TV actually working. But yesterday, unfortunately, the TV was working. And I see the governor uh, of New York, Kathy Hochul, who you know has never won an election. She's only there uh, because she's sitting in for Hansi Andy Cuomo. Andy! Andy! You know, she never won the gubernatorial election, but she is the incumbent in this case because, you know, Andy got a little frisky around the office with the staff. You ever seen a grown man naked? But she is taking a page out of a playbook we saw earlier in the week from Charlie Crist down in Florida in saying Republicans are evil. We don't want you voting. Get out of the state. I'm embarrassed to know you like really disgusting stuff. Okay, Corinne Jean-Pierre said the same thing at the White House on Friday. Biden made comments over the weekend. Biden was talking about MAGA being semi-fascism. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. We have clips. And you understand, this is going on because we're in a really, really desperate spot for the Democrats running up to the midterms. You know, you've got inflation at a 40-year high. The gas situation's still a mess. Okay, the border's out of control. The quality of life has deteriorated in every way imaginable. So the Democrats have decided to make the midterms, to make the centerpiece of their message, everybody who votes Republican is the devil. That's what they're doing in this moment. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. And it's plainly political. Like, you can see right through it. Yes. You you don't want to campaign on we're the ones who screwed up inflation. You don't want to campaign on we're the ones who screwed up your kid by not letting him learn in person. You don't want to campaign on we're the ones who mandated a vaccine that isn't stopping anybody from getting COVID. Those are bad things to campaign on. But you know what's worse to campaign on? What's worse to campaign on is everybody who doesn't vote for me is a fascist. That is correct. But that's exactly what they're doing. And I'm just telling you, their democratic, their political desperation is putting the country in a really dangerous spot. Because when you start to unperson people, when you start to feed your base whose emotions are their facts, hey, these guys are fascists. Hey, these people aren't worth your respect. Hey, these people shouldn't you know, be allowed uh, the dignity of a decent life in this country. They don't belong in our state. Get them out of here. Do you understand? Like that's the kind of unpersoning that actual fascists did. That's disgusting. 
but they're getting behind this type of rhetoric in the same breath they're warning us about how toxic Republican rhetoric is. I mean, really think about that. Like, oh, these are, you know, Republicans are out of control. They're so divisive. I wish they'd just move out of the state because they're all a bunch of fascists. Like, they're not listening to themselves. But this is not new to the conversation, do you understand? Okay, we did this in 2020. They were they justified burning 13 cities, torching police stations, burning down 100 black-owned businesses in the near north of Minneapolis. Okay, because Republicans were such a threat. We were told, you know, America is systemically racist, so we got to get Donald Trump out. Okay, we're systemically racist. We can't have a guy in government who's been leading the country for three and a half years because we're systemically racist. You can't have a guy who's been in for three and a half years. You got to get him out of there and replace this systemically racist leadership with a guy who's been a part of it for 50 years. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. And that was the hallmark of the election. This is a battle for the soul of our nation. The other side is literally going to hell. Our nation will suffer eternal damnation if we vote for the other side. That's what they went with. And again, That doesn't quantify, and I said this during the election, how does calling it a battle for the soul of our nation pay a bill? How does it put a gallon of gas in the car? How does it get a kid in education? How does it protect you from crime? The answer was it doesn't. But we didn't realize then what we now realize now is not only did it not help any of those areas, but in a lot of instances, focusing on identity politics just made it worse. You dig? You look at how badly the quality of life has deteriorated in Democratic cities. Like, I'm going to play this Kathy Hochul clip. Kathy Hochul's the governor of New York, which, with all due respect to San Francisco, our state has also become the country's largest outdoor restroom. It's disgusting, okay? This is not a woman who has supported police as crime spikes to record levels. This is not a woman that's pushed back against teachers' unions and helped kids get into the classroom free of COVID restrictions. Okay, Kathy Hochul is just another woke jackass pandering for votes. Everything woke turns to But this is the message they want to run on. Here it is, clip five. We're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. Garbage like you just makes me sick. I mean, really, listen. Like, Get out of town. You're not real New Yorkers. Like, can you imagine? And the idiots clapping for that. These are the people who want you to believe they're the party of unity. Democrats are so full of crap. <laughs> Think about that. Now the Republicans are so divisive. We're going to unify the vote for us. And, you know, just we'll make those people get out of town because unity. But Charlie Chris said the same thing. I'll even give you a Biden clip. Here was Biden on uh, on Thursday talking about MAGA Republicans. Here it is. Clip one. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. That is offensive, and it is not true. You know, it's funny. He's making those comments on the same day Mark Zuckerberg flat out admitted that the FBI made Facebook squash the Hunter Biden story. Oh, oh, wow. 
Republicans. Really think about that. The Republicans. Ah, oh, democracy. They, dude, the actual intelligence community in this country not only tried to throw Trump out of the office after 2016 by overturning the will of the people, but they interfered. Like, it is, it can officially be said. Like, they committed a level of interference in 2020 that swung the election. When you see polling that says 10% of Democratic voters would have switched their vote if they knew the Hunter Biden story. Okay, you're talking about millions of votes in an election decided by thousands of votes. Joe Biden, in a roundabout way, is really not a legitimate president. Okay, but when he says, ah, you know, Republicans refuse to accept the will of the people, they embrace political violence. Yo, Joe Biden, your vice president tweeted a link to bail out violent protesters in Minneapolis. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha <laughs> ha! Think about that. You're going to get up there and yell at me about encouraging, accepting political violence. No Republican says what happened at the Capitol is okay. The only distinction we've drawn is it was not a deadly white supremacist insurgency that was aimed at overthrowing the government. You don't overthrow the most powerful government in the world with a bunch of bewildered senior citizens led by one guy in a Chewbacca bikini. And the only person who died that day, one is always too many, was an unarmed Trump supporter by the name of Ashley Babbitt. Do you hear anything about that when, you, when they talk about the deaths at the Capitol? The answer would be no. No. They just take you know credit for someone dying and say it must have been the fault of the Republicans. Wrong. Okay, but understand why Joe Biden is doing this. The MAGA Republicans not accepting the election. This stuff is dangerous. Because we have more information coming out that shows us the 2020 election. Eh, i got to be honest. Doesn't look very legitimate. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. I still don't have, like, the flat-out proof. I want to be responsible. But when Mark Zuckerberg says, oh, yeah, the FBI came by and was like, we can't, we got to throttle the story. Okay, a story, by the way, do you understand, that turned out to be true. Hunter Biden's laptop is true. We know that. Okay, we know that because the outlets like the New York Times and the Washington Post who published op-eds saying they can't cover the story, the minute the election was over, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, turns out it was real. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. But you understand. Okay, they're waging this war. Ah, Republicans, move out of my state. Biden, ah, they're a threat to democracy. Why are they doing this? They're doing this because we're less than 80 days from the midterms, and they are really desperate, like really, really, really desperate. There's no record to run on. There's nothing that motivates people to go to the polls for them. You tell me abortion doesn't matter. You want to know why? Because by returning abortion to the states, the people who want abortion live in the states that are going to have abortion. If you live in a blue state, you're going to have abortion. If you live in a red state, you're going to have limited access to abortion. Okay, that is the will of those states. Abortion is not swinging the election. It's not. Okay, when you look at how this breaks down, climate change, I don't care about, nobody cares about climate change. Nobody cares. It is white privilege. It's, it's rich, elite white people flying around in, climate, in private jets, lecturing the rest of us about climate change because they feel guilty about their own success. Did you see the Harrison report, Ford report over the weekend? We just covered it on America's Newsroom, me and Dana Perino this morning. Harrison Ford's private jet okay, in just the last year, has emitted more carbon emissions than the average American would in 10 lifetimes. I got a bad feeling about this. But he gets on the plane and says, oh, we got to save the world. We got to save the planet. We got to do something about the planet. Because he just feels guilty about his own level of success. That's what climate change is. It's something for white guilty people who feel guilty about the life they've led. So they justify living it 
by telling everybody else to save the world. Well, I shouldn't feel so bad that I get paid $30 million a picture to fly around and pretend spaceships because I'm making the little people save the planet, so I'm going to be fine. And that's what they do. Okay, but they're outsourcing everything, whether it comes to their activism on the climate or their attempts to lead this country. Okay, there is a messaging war being fought, but the winner of the war doesn't have a tangible way to pay your bills, keep you safe, get your kid an education, feed your family, or put gas in your car. But if you were in the same position as the Democrats, you might think about running on the same level of message. Okay, because this message for them is probably an easier sale than, hey, look at our record on inflation. Hey, look at our record on the border. Hey, look at our record on education and crime and everything in between. So that's where we are where we are teetering on the brink of a very divided society and the people that are actually you know warning us the most about the division are the ones that are shamelessly doing all the dividing between now and election day so y'all need to hide your kids hide your wife and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here this thing is going to become gargantuan when the son of man comes you're listening to fox across america with jimmy Fallon. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon trying to hold this country together at a time when Democrats are working overtime to break it apart. Here's another one for you. Corrine Jean-Pierre, uh, she weighed in on the mega Republicans. Clip four. I was very clear when uh, when laying out uh, and defining uh, what, uh, you know, MAGA Republicans have done. And you look at the definition of fascism and you think about uh, what they're doing in in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away uh, our freedoms, uh, taking away, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, that is what that is. It is very clear. And that's why he made that that powerful speech uh, that you heard uh, from him last night. And he has not shied away from saying that. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Is anyone losing their voting rights? The answer would be no. Since voter ID was implemented, something Joe Biden called Jim Crow on steroids, early voting in the state it was implemented in went up by 220 percent. By the way, she's calling that taking away your voting rights. They give you 17 days of early voting. Do you know how many days of early voting Joe Biden's home state of Delaware has? Zero. Bingo. Are you tired of losing political debates because your party doesn't have any good ideas? I had the same problem until I got racism, the Democrat prescription that reduces every single issue to race problems. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. Using racism can make you feel like a good person. 
even if you're patently terrible. I have some skeletons in my closet that I need to cover up so that I can get elected. And with no basis in fact, personal attacks have never been easier. Whether you're slandering an ex-president. I don't think they like me very much. Or even a dead children's author. Mom, they canceled Dr. Seuss. So don't waste your time finding solutions to real problems. Create pretend problems. It's not enough to say I'm not a racist in America. You need to be anti-racist. Warning, a percentage of Democrats who used racism experienced limited grasp of facts and were prone to blurting out racist things themselves. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Ask your government-provided doctor about racism today. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Good goodness. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon presiding over, I, it's got to be, you know, the first time in the history of this country that we've seen a political party attack the voters. Okay, I'm mean, used to, you know, politicians attacking each other. But the idea that they're now personally coming after you, it's just, man, it re- this one really sticks with me, man. You know, the last two weeks, the show has been on the road. I went to the Lake of the Ozarks uh, two weeks ago, got rowdy with those people, brought Jenny Fallon. And it was so funny because uh, the whole way back from Lake of the Ozarks, Jenny was talking about, God, it's like such a sweet crowd of people that come out to the shows. It's amazing. Young, old, everything in between. Gay, straight, black, white, Asian, Pokemon, Pikachu, Mario, Luigi, whatever the hell you are, you come to my shows. It's amazing. And to see you slandered, because they're going after you, make no mistake about it. They're saying these these Republicans, these MAGA Republicans, these ultra MAGA Republicans. Like, what is the distinction? You know, they're making them sound like Gatorade flavors. These, you know, MAGA Arctic Blast, you know, MAGA Blizzard Ice. It's so stupid. But again, they're doing all of the labeling work because they'd rather be fighting pretend fascism than solving real problems, mainly because their leadership has made our real problems exponentially worse. Do you know what inflation was when Joe Biden took over the presidency? Are you ready? It was right at, right at 1%. You know what inflation's at now after a year and a half of his leadership? About nine. Okay, think about that. Illegal border crossings. Okay, we're down under Donald Trump, 80%. Okay, you know where they are now? The highest level in recorded history. Again, I could do this little song and dance with the bits all day, okay? The bottom line is, no matter how you slice it, Biden is such a disaster. This is the worst leadership we've ever seen. So, yeah, we've never seen anything like this. You can, you know, say, oh, Trump tweeted stuff. He said Rosie O'Donnell was fat. All right, great. You know, bottom line, that's not, you know, the decorum we're used to out of the office. But you've heard this said to the point of exhaustion. People would rather him rage tweet when he gets up to pee in the middle of the night than pay double for items at the grocery store. They'd rather watch Trump trash Morning Joe or Meeker Scarborough or, you know, whatever TV network he happens to be mad at that morning. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. They'd rather sit through that than sit through what they're sitting through now, which is, you know, people are getting clobbered right now. But this idea that they're trying to make the election a referendum on your character speaks to such a unique level of desperation. And I said this about 2020. Okay, when they wouldn't let you go to school, wouldn't let you go to church, couldn't go to a funeral, couldn't see somebody in the hospital. But every Democrat that was enforcing that level of lockdown 
then looked the other way when it was time to burn down cities over George Floyd. They're like, well, this is different. You know, these guys go out there fighting for their own safety. You know, the cops are so dangerous right now. You know, it's a big threat to society. Hey, has anyone ever given us stats ever once that showed the cops were out there disproportionately shooting or harming people of color? The answer would be no. Nope, they don't have it. You know the old saying, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. They have been pounding the table on racist cops for the last five years. Put up or shut up. Well, they've shut up on the cops finally because they realized it was a losing message politically. Okay, defund the police backfired spectacularly. Now all the Democrats who wanted to defund the police are like, oh, we never said that. Uh, you know, we just meant like cut their budgets down a little bit, you know, move move something around, you know, maybe just, you know, trying to save people here. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, of course they said defund the police. Okay, we do a thing on the show called Permanent Audio. Okay, listen to this. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the, the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Defund the police does not mean (laughs) abolish the police. It means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities. I am for defunding the police. Look, the reality is we can't rely upon the police to provide public safety. It's a moment to reimagine policing, to take things off the shoulders. And what we also want is a reconception of how we achieve public safety. How do we take out many of the responsibilities that police officers are now dealing with by investing more into housing, into education, into these other things? You know, in in many cities in America, over one third of their city budget goes to police. So we have to have this conversation. What are we doing? She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Understand, Kamala Harris, a member of an administration that, to their credit, two months back, did actually allocate some additional funding for police. Why? Because cutting police budgets got people killed. We got a 35-year spike in murders nationally after they waged a rhetorical war against cops, after they justified bailing out violent protesters in places like Minneapolis and telling us, oh, a riot was the language of the unheard. You've got to understand why these people are rioting. No, we don't. No, we don't. There's nothing in this Constitution, there's nothing in this country that gives you the right to riot. Number one, you're breaking the law. You're destroying somebody else's property. You're endangering lives, in some instances, ending them. There were 42 people killed at the George Floyd riots. But the Democrats said, no, you don't understand. We got this election coming up. Uh, America's systemic racism is on the ballot. These people wouldn't be rioting if America hadn't screwed them over for so long. But what did none of these Democrats mention? The people doing the rioting all lived in cities that were controlled by Democrats for 50 straight years. You're absolutely right. No, you understand. A riot is a language of the unheard. Okay. Well, who's not listening to these people? I think he's got a point. Really think about that. They've 50 years. New York's predominantly Republican run for the better part of the last 63 years. Okay, Minneapolis, 60 years. Milwaukee. 
Detroit, L.A., what do they all have in common? Yes, Democratic leadership. Correct the mundo. But they tried to give America the bill for their own dysfunction. Now, you don't understand America systemically racist. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this isn't going on in any of the Republican-run states. But it's America. America that's systemically racist. You don't understand. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Well, lo and behold, they have quietly recalculated behind the scenes, and they know they now need to support police. The problem is the woke district attorneys that have issued all of these bail reform laws have defanged the police nonetheless because nobody who gets locked up stays in jail. The Democrats have made our country infinitely filthier, okay, in every way, every way. You're economically compromised. You're physically compromised. Your kid's education has been compromised. Your employment has been terminated. If you didn't get a vaccine because they told you again and again and again, it was not a personal choice. This was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's what Joe Biden said, the guy that was going to unite the country. Hey, let's get mad at the people that don't want the medicine. That's not unity. That's what Joe Biden said, the guy who wanted to unite the country, said, hey, if you're all for Georgia's voter ID law, this is Jim Crow on steroids what they're doing. This is Jim Crow on steroids what they're doing in in Georgia. Jim Crow on steroids. Okay. do you understand worse than the physical era where they denied people access to the polls through violence? Okay, that's who this is. When you see him saying things like extreme MAGA Republicans, they want a national ban on abortion. Okay, nobody wants anything nationalized. I just want to be clear. Roe versus Wade nationalized the issue of abortion. It said the federal government determines what the states can individually do. That's nationalizing. What the overturning of Roe versus Wade did was send the choice back to each individual state and let them vote for themselves, meaning Democratic states will have abortion. Conservative states are probably going to have less abortion, not no abortion, less abortion, something like the rest of the world has. Understand, if you go to Europe, which is supposed to be the most progressive place on the planet, okay, you got 12 weeks to have an abortion, 15 max, every single country in Europe. Do you know who allows for the amount of abortion that we do, okay, on a global level? China. China. Are you ready for it? And North Korea. This could be a problem. Huge problem. Two of the biggest human rights abusers in the world, our abortion rights are on par with theirs. Not on par with, like, Germany or France or any of those other countries we try to emulate when it comes to energy policy and everything in between. No, no, no. We're in the same lineup as China and North Korea, the biggest human rights abusers in the world. So you understand when they're depicting MAGA Republicans as the barbaric side, okay, MAGA Republicans aren't telling you you can kill a baby months after it can live beyond the mother. MAGA Republicans aren't fighting for the right to abort on demand up until the moment of birth. Dude, that's disgusting. That's infanticide. That's something that in 100 years will be looked at as this generation's slavery. In 100 years, as the science is more pervasive in the discussion, people will look back at abortion and they'll start taking the names of people who supported abortion off of buildings, just like they did with slavery. And what will these human rights abusers have in common? The vast, vast majority of the slaveries, slavery people, the vast, vast majority of the abortion people – Democrats. Okay, they are not for human rights. They are not for women's rights. Okay, but they're very aggressively selling an exercise in projection. Oh, it's the other side that's bad. 
and people are you know seeing through it for the most part. But you understand where they're willing to go with this. It really is scary to me because they're sociopaths. They were willing to defund the police. They thought it was a politically viable movement. They were willing to defund the police, partly, okay, because they thought it would help them win an election, mostly because they were going to hold on to their own security anyway. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. I mean, really think about that. There's a slob. There's a real slob. What a slob. Just a slob. Just a disgusting person. You suck it up. Police, you know, defunding the police has to happen. But I get to keep my, I get to keep my security. It's just you guys got... What an idiot. I mean, that's what you're dealing with here. Okay, these people are sociopaths. And they're willing to take this thing anywhere if it means holding on to power. I really want you to think about that. They have now officially made their midterm messaging, Republicans are evil people. That's the message they're going. you got to vote for us. The Republicans are evil. I don't even want them in my state. Here's the Kathy Hochul clip again, clip five. We're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro, just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. I mean. Shut up. Will you shut up? Get out of town. Just get out of town. What a loser. Just a loser. These are the people that are going to lecture you about dividing the country, about dangerous rhetoric. Dude, I don't want you in my state is disgusting. But I harp on it because, again, I've been on the road the last two weekends, been on the road a lot with this show. And the people who show up to these shows are amazing. They're wonderful people. They're not hate-filled. They don't hate the other side. You don't hear Republican governors saying Democrats aren't allowed in my state. Get out of here. You've never heard Donald Trump attacking Democratic voters. He'll trash fake news or some anchor he doesn't like that day or call a politician a loser. Okay, he'll yell at a protester. I've seen it done at his rallies. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. But you know what he's never done? He never gets on the air and says these people don't belong in our country. These people don't belong in our states. These people should have no rights. They're a threat to our very well-being. I mean, it's disgusting. Do you understand? But it's a classic exercise in projection. They are yelling at Republicans for the things they're doing. That's the issue here. And it's really gross to watch again and again and again because the shamelessness, it knows no bounds. But it's personal for me because I know the people they're slandering. And believe me, you're the best people on the planet. Oh, my God. You think I want to do a weekend of comedy for a bunch of woke people that get, uh, you know, freaked out at everything? How you doing, Jimmy? Good. Check your privilege. Good. You know, people are suffering in the world right now. How can you how can you possibly say you're doing good? My goodness gracious. That's awful. I mean, but that's who we're dealing with here. 
You know, again and again and again. They have no ideas, so they just keep waging character assassinations against the rest of us. This is exhausting. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Guy who grew up watching a lot of MTV. I loved MTV. Most people would argue they peaked in the mid-90s, though, and their top talent moved over to cable news. Thanks, big government weenison. Shout out to Kennedy, who is celebrating her birthday over in Greece right now. But last night, the Video Music Awards were a thing. Lizzo got an award and then proceeded to give us a political lecture about the state of things in this country. Girl, please stop talking right now. That's what they should have said. Clip 11. I don't know (laughs) what uh, music video for good means, but I do know what your vote means, and that's a... But your vote means everything to me. It means everything to making a change in this country. So remember when you're voting for your favorite artist, vote to change some of these laws that are oppressing us. Oh, come on. You sack. Really? Vote for these laws that are oppressing us. You don't have a clue. Lizzo, what what law is oppressing you? As you stand there in a $50,000 dress, getting an award for singing. Okay? No one is oppressed in this country in any way, shape, or form. The reason more people are moving to this country or migrating to this country than any other country in the world is because, oh, yeah, that's right. This is the greatest place on earth to live. It is embarrassing what's become of our country. Is anybody here trying to leave it being as oppressive as it is, Lizzo? Is anybody fleeing in record numbers or any number? The answer would be no. Shut up, you jackass. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up in this hour, Florida Representative Greg Stubbe is going to be here. Shannon Bream going to weigh in as well uh, a little bit later on. We're discussing student loan forgiveness right now uh, because the Biden administration over the weekend making it official that they're going to forgive up to $10,000 of student debt. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Not only stupid, uh, but I got to be honest with you. If you're making someone who didn't take out the loan pay it off for the person who did? That's not right. No, it's a violation of contract law. And there's a big debate going on in Washington over whether or not this is even going to stand up in court. I actually don't think it's going to. Okay, understand the workaround being that the debt is still being paid. It's not student loan forgiveness. Student loan forgiveness, we'd be like, oh, you owe me this money, but I forgive it. It's not a big deal. No, 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 no. The colleges in this instance, they want their money. Pay up, suckers. They want that cash. It's just somebody else paying for them. And this this instance, that somebody else is you. Because, again, we're weeks removed from a midterm election. Where understand Joe Biden's support with people under 30 has fallen, fallen by over 30 points. Biden sucks. So make no mistake about it. Politically, it's not student loan forgiveness. It's bad poll number forgiveness. Hey, man, 
If I give everybody $10,000 in free debt here, will you get out and vote for me? That's the gambit. That's what they're hoping for here. We've dissected this a million different ways. And I'm upfront about this. I said it at my comedy shows over the weekend. I'm not worried about saving up for college. I've got a six foot five son. He is going to get a women's basketball scholarship. Piece of cake. You guys are saving up for college. I'm saving up for a blonde wig. That's what I'm saving up for. Come on, Link Man. Hit the hole. Let's go. Rebound. Going to be on the Duke women's basketball team by the time this is over. And I'm not paying a dime. The joke ain't on me. Okay, but in all seriousness, this issue is a scam. And you know it's a scam. And you know it's not mathematically fundamentally sound when Bernie Sanders starts weighing in. I admire your honesty. Listen to this clip. This is Bernie, the 1%. The socialism, capitalism is bad. I've sold $30 million worth of books. That's how much I hate capitalism. I own four houses because I'm so anti-capitalist. I just keep buying new properties to spread out my reach so I can tell other people how bad (laughs) capitalism is. Like, we are living in the death of shame. Nobody feels shame anymore. Like, I get embarrassed. I do things like, oh, God, I can't believe I look like that on TV. Oh, I can't believe I wore that last night. Oh, I, oh what a dumb joke I told on Gutfeld. Oh, man. But these people are willing to get in front of cameras and talk to millions of people and just spew garbage falsehood. So the Bernie false equivalency we're down to now is, uh, you know, I don't hear Republicans squawking about the tax breaks Donald Trump gave to billionaires. Okay, let's just talk about this. The Trump tax cuts, just so you understand, gave the poorest households the largest percentage of benefit. Under the Trump taxes, hate Donald Trump. I don't care. I'm a talk show host. Do not tune in. Be like, oh, look at this Fox News guy chilling for Trump again. I don't care. Okay, but understand the Trump tax cuts accelerated, okay, accelerated the household wealth increase in the bottom 50% of Americans at a rate we hadn't seen in four decades. The Trump tax cuts gave the largest percentage of tax break to the bottom 70% of income earners. If you were in the top 30% of income earners, you got the smallest benefit from the Trump tax cuts. Reason being is they eliminated the SALT deduction. SALT stood for state and local taxes, and you could only deduct up to $10,000 on your property taxes. The reason that disproportionately hurt rich people is they have higher property taxes because they live in more expensive homes in more expensive neighborhoods. So it used to be that a guy who was paying $50,000 and property taxes could deduct all 50. The SALT deduction capped it at 10. So the rich were now paying additional taxes. Those were the Trump tax cuts. But the Democrats, again, when you're catering to a group of people whose emotions are their facts, just keep, you know, selling this out or trying to reduce it to a comparison between, well, we're forgiving poor people with student loans and rich people with the Trump tax cuts. But the Trump tax cuts helped everybody, helped the poorest people the most. The actual student loan forgiveness, according to the Wharton School of Business and the Congressional Budget Office, is going to give the top 70% of income earners 60% of the forgiveness, meaning 40% of the people getting their loans forgiven are in the bottom tier of of socioeconomics in this country, 40%. But 60% are not, meaning you're paying extra taxes to placate rich people. Okay, that's what we're dealing with. And when it comes to the poorest 40% uh, that are getting this benefit, understand I was poorer than any of them driving a taxi in New York City. 
Okay, and one of the reasons I was able to get somewhere in life is because I was held personally responsible for my debts and my commitments. It's because I did have to be accountable and work. I did have to learn the traits of self-reliance in order to raise a family that at the time it was started had nothing. Okay, when Jenny was pregnant with Lincoln, she was babysitting. I was driving a taxi and doing stand-up comedy. Okay, getting, as we say in comedy, you get paid weekly, very weekly. That was the worst thing I ever heard. But the point is, okay, we came from nothing. And it's not to say I don't have empathy for people who have nothing now. But you are not in life. You're not in life ever going to find yourself in a position where you're going to continue to be forgiven for bigger commitments. You take out a car loan. You take out a home loan. That's what Biden was saying on Thursday. He's like, well, look at it on the bright side. Now that you've got your student debt forgiven. Now you can go out and you can take out a mortgage. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Think about that. You couldn't pay a $10,000 loan. So now you should go get a mortgage? I mean, dude. Not even close. Well, you know, 10000 was too much. So what you need to do is you need to commit to two or 300000 <laughs> These are stupid people. None, none dumber or more shameless than Bernie Sanders. Here's clip 17. I know it is shocking, George, to some Republicans uh, that the government actually on occasion does something to benefit working families and low-income people. Uh, I don't hear any of these Republicans squawking when we give massive tax breaks to billionaires, when we have an effective tax rate today such that the 1% have a lower effective tax rate uh, than working people. We have major corporations in a given year, don't pay a nickel in federal taxes. That's okay. But suddenly when we do something for working people, uh, it is a terrible idea. I mean, come on, Bernie. Stop lying to us. He's just a loser. Oh, the effect of tax break of the 1%. He's in the 1%, yo. He's in the 1%. Is Bernie Sanders, I don't know, so upset about the 1% not paying enough money? Is he writing additional checks to the government as a member of the 1%? The answer would be no. Isn't that weird? He's so upset. So upset how the 1% have all the advantages. I've made $30 million selling books. I mean, I, again, for a guy who's as upset as he is about the 1% getting away with stuff, is Bernie Sanders cutting additional tax revenue to make up for that wealth gap? The answer would be no. Dude. They're so full of it. But again, what's the false equivalency here? Look at the Trump tax cuts. One is not the other. And if you were really going to get it down the brass tax, the Trump tax cuts help the poor in far greater numbers than student loan forgiveness will. Because the vast majority of student loan forgiveness is going to the wealthy. But understand, the amount of money we're talking about, the amount of debt is still spread out over a few million people. Okay, the Trump tax cuts were spread out over the entire population of America, meaning 330 million people. Okay, understand, 330 million people don't have college loans. They don't, okay? Or at least they didn't until we passed this bill. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. Think about that. You didn't have a student loan. You worked hard so you didn't have a student loan. But now you do. It's coming out of your tax dollars. Or you learned to trade. Or you went to school and did something with your life that didn't require college. Still got a student loan anyway. 
dude, that's not fair. It's not right. It undermines, number one, as I said, the self-reliance of people who took out these loans and should prob- and should definitely be held accountable for their commitment. It's contract law. Okay, but it also screws over the people who did this right, the people who played by the book, the people who busted their asses, worked extra jobs, didn't take vacations. I mean, really think about that. Okay, but when Bernie tries to make this a political issue instead of a right or wrong issue and says, I don't hear the Republicans squawking. Okay, I'm not going to play a Republicans. Let's hear some Democrats. Here's Tim Ryan. He's running in one of the most pivotal, pivotal state Senate races in this country. Tim Ryan versus J.D. Vance out in Ohio. Okay, J.D. Vance is going to be with us this Thursday on the show. Okay, but here is Tim Ryan. Okay, in Ohio, he is a Democrat. He is running in the most prominent Senate race in this country. Okay, here is a Democrat, Bernie Sanders, not a Republican squawking. Here's a Democrat squawking. Here it is, clip 18. And I think a targeted approach right now really does send the wrong message. There's a lot of people out there making 30, 40 grand a year that didn't go to college. Uh, and they need help as well, which is why I've been proposing a tax cut for working people that will affect affect everybody. And with the student loan piece, you could very easily allow them to negotiate, renegotiate down the interest rates. We got rid of the kind of things that really build out the, the working class and the skilled trades. And so here we are, and we've done nothing to control the costs of college. Right. So well, we're going to be in the same position here in five years. So part of a comprehensive package we could look at, but just this direct targeted thing I don't think is, is sending the right message. Huh, really weird, because he's not a Republican. He's a Democrat running against a Republican in a very tight Senate race. And even he has the good sense to know this is garbage. If you're making 30 or 40 grand a year, you shouldn't be paying more in taxes to bail out a loan you didn't commit to. Again, they throw college out. Jimmy buys a boat. Okay, let's say Jimmy goes and buys a boat. Okay, which I'm never going to do because the way my family drinks, somebody will fall right off. I got to fish Jenny's relatives out of the water. You know, it's you know, not doing it. Okay, but stick with me. Let's say Jimmy buys a boat. And this time next year, Jimmy doesn't have the money to pay for his boat. In what world should you have to pay off my boat loan? No world. Zero zip zilch. None. Okay? But that's what this is the equivalent of. You're getting a bill for a loan you didn't commit to. You might as well be paying somebody else's car loan. You might as well be paying somebody else's mortgage. And I got news for you. If we don't push back against it, you eventually will because they're going to decide. It's never with Democrats where it starts. It's where it goes. They'll eventually use this model to try and buy votes from other people. Biden's support is down 40 points with Latinos. He's down 12 points with black voters. They are key constituents to the Democrats winning elections. How long before they start telling you mortgages are racist, car loans are racist, we got to pay them back to end the racism, and you get the taxes, and you get the, you know, that's what they do. Okay, they're buying votes. It's not illegal. I mean, but it should be. Okay, there's a workaround. It may ultimately wind up in court because of contract law that it's illegal and we'll get there. But again, Bernie Sanders said, oh, it's the Republicans. No, it's anybody with a brain. Okay, and I use that term loosely because I'm about to play you a clip from CNN where even Paul Begala, to his credit at CNN, said this is bad policy. Here it is, clip 19. Well, it's bad policy as well as bad politics. Right. For that amount of money, you could fund free pre-K for every three and four year old for 10 years. You do a lot more good for poor people, communities of color, and, and the underprivileged by, by doing pre-K. Uh, you could forgive all medical debt, which, unlike student debt, is not freely entered into. So the, the Democrats, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a progressive. I want to help folks. But I think this is 
terrible policy. Politics, though, we saw. Tim Ryan is in a tough race in a tough state, and he can't stand this idea. Uh, Senator Warren is all for it. She's not exactly from a swing state in, in Massachusetts. So what is my party doing with this? They're, they're, they're disadvantaging. I, I think they're not helping the, the people that we're here to help, which is poor people uh, and, and, and underprivileged communities. Uh, and they're not helping their politicians who are running. Straight up, they're not helping poor people. They're not helping underprivileged people. They're trying to help themselves. And it's clown stuff led by Bernie Sanders, who, again, the anti-capitalist who has made $30 million selling books and buying mansions. Is there a bigger clown anywhere in elected office? The answer is no. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with Representative Greg Stubbe from the great state of Florida in the next break. Uh, he's going to weigh in on this student loan situation. Chris Christie uh, was on the week over the weekend, and uh, he had this to say about the legality of contract law getting in the way and this ultimately getting thrown out in court. It's clip 20. Ultimately, this is going to be found to have been illegal. He needs to get this money appropriated by Congress. He didn't. And they're one of the reasons he was hesitating, and Cecilia knows this, is because the legal advice he was getting was, you can't do it. Nancy Pelosi a year ago said, you can't do it. We have to do it. So he knows he's done something that's illegal and over the top. But the worst part of this is the American people are not stupid. You're right. Giving away money is always a pretty good thing in politics. But here's what they understand. There's nothing to control college costs. The reason people have higher loans is because college is more expensive. And this does not make college less expensive. It makes it more expensive when you're giving away things. Bravo. Okay, and that's what I said all last week. The problem, the reason people have massive student debt is because of the cost of college. If college was cheap, people wouldn't owe all of this money. Okay, the reason they owe all of this money is because college is a gazillion dollars. And oftentimes they're selling these kids zillion-dollar degrees that don't come with a commensurate job. Okay, so in this instance, the Biden administration is trying to recognize that inequity by giving the bill to the people who didn't make the commitment in the first place. This is total crap. But to Chris Christie's point that Biden doesn't even have this authority, here is, as he said, Nancy Pelosi a year ago. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. I, I, I don't even like to call it forgiveness because that Im, implies a transgression. It's not to be forgiven. Get just freeing people from those obligations. So that's not even a discussion. They, not everybody realizes that, but the president can only postpone, delay, but not forgive. Come on, man. True story. He legally cannot just say, no more debt. Dude, he's not a, he's not a king. Like, I understand. He's been around since we had kings governing over this country. But he's not a king. He doesn't legally have the right to do this. These are people who entered into, again, a binding contract. But that's the scam here, is they don't care if this ultimately does get thrown out. This is the the deal, man. They don't care if these students ever wind up being forgiven. 
They don't care if the people who wind up paying for these loans are, in fact, the people who didn't take them out. All they want, all they want between now and November is the goodwill with younger voters that makes it look like they did something. I agree with that. That's what we're dealing with here. Okay, they don't care about you. They don't care about society. If they care about society, the border's closed. The leading killer of Americans between the ages of 18 and 45, fentanyl. They're not doing anything about it. If they cared about people, this isn't student loan forgiveness, something you willingly took out. They would be forgiving medical bills, something people accumulate through no fault of their own. But they're not touching that because they're full of garbage every damn day. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are fired up to talk to this next guest, superstar congressional representative from the 17th district down in Florida, Representative Greg Stubbe back on the show. Hey, man. Hey, how are you? Well, I got to ask you a quick question before we get into the nuts and bolts. Uh, Let Wesley Hunt, who is uh, running uh, for Congress out in Texas. Have you ran into Wesley on the trail yet by any chance? I have not met him, no. Well, Wesley is talking a big fashion game about you and Byron Donalds. I told him how Donalds ranks you number one. Yeah, you know, I said Byron ranks you number one, says he has the most swag. Uh, But Wesley Hunt says he takes both of you guys. Are you about to campaign against Wesley Hunt with that kind of slander? Well, I, 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 any more Republicans we can get in Congress, I'm all for it. So we can uh, yep. we can have that debate on the floor. Let, <laughs> let the American people decide who are the best dressed. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? You're right. It's probably a good time to circle the wagons because they're giving away college loan money. And has there ever been a bigger scam in your adult life than this? It's crazy. I mean, like, I, I had to pay and use student loans for law school. Mm-hmm. I went into the military. The military didn't pay my loans back. If I would have re-upped for an additional four, I did four and a half years active duty. If I would have re-upped for an additional four, they were going to pay half my student loans. And I was like, no, you know, I've served my time. I want to go back. And I ended up running for office about six months after I got out of active duty to the state legislature. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now they're just, here you go. Here's here's 10 grand. Here's 20 grand if you're on a Pell Grant. And, um, you know, it took me till I was in my 40s. My goal was to hit 40 and have my student loans paid off. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the majority of Americans didn't go to college, and yep. that's a fact. I looked it up just to make sure before I said it. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to take $2,000 an American. This is going to cost every American $2,000, mm-hmm. and we're going to give that money to the minority of America who went to college to get, you know, like a women's study degree mm-hmm. or whatever – it was that they may not even be using yeah. now, and it's just not it's 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 just not what the American people support, and it's another giveaway right before an election because the Democrats can't help themselves. All right, who can we give money away to today that will then vote for us uh, in the midterms? It so looks that way. We're talking to Representative Greg Stubbe. It does. It just looks like they're trying to buy votes because it's a scam. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. The people who didn't take out the loans getting the bill for the people who did is a scam. And there's also just a legality issue because this is contract law. And again, the debt isn't being forgiven. I mean, that's the bigger scam is it's not being forgiven. They're just passing it on to us. But, you know, isn't there talk that this hurts inflation too? There is so many legal issues here 
to flush out, we could spend the remainder of your show talking about the legal issues, the constitutional issues, where you have the executive branch waiving what could be $800 billion. Now, right now, the estimate is between four and $600 billion, half a trillion dollars mm-hmm. worth of student loan debt that Congress didn't allow for to be forgiven. Yeah. This, this should be an act of Congress because Congress controls the purse strings, and you have the executive doing it. Mm-hmm. And I actually think another reason why they're doing it before the midterms and before Republicans take the majority back is because Congress could file a lawsuit in the separations of power issue, but Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer aren't going to do that to Joe Biden. Yep. So they, they, they want to try to give away money before they can, and then you have the contract issues, mm-hmm. and then you have all of the, the spending issues, the constitutional issues, the separation of powers issues. Um, I will be shocked if in six months – it, it hasn't been challenged and hasn't been ruled unconstitutional by the current U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, that's a great point because you know what? I was saying this earlier. I, I don't think they care if they ever get to give this money away. I just think they want the credit for trying between now and the midterms. But I think it's a dumb move by them because I think most Americans, again, look at the fundamental unfairness and just think it's terrible. But you know what the Democrats remind me of? Um, you know, both married guys. But I remember in my single life, there was always that friend who, you know, wanted to send a round of drinks over to some girls at the bar, but they didn't. They never had their wallet. Like every good democratic idea that they think is good, they never want to chip in for. It's always us that are paying for the drinks, man. Yeah, it's the it's the people pulling the cart um, that are paying for the drinks, and pretty soon there's not going to be enough people pulling the cart because everybody's going to be in the cart, and it's going <laughs> to be what's what we're facing in America because you're going to have a couple people pulling the cart with the rest of the country sitting in the cart wanting to be pulled. It is so true, man. It is it's just it's a society of takers, man. It's scary stuff. Um, and what I'm fascinated by is, you know, the dueling politics in play here is that the Democrats have internally they've made a calculation that between now and the midterms, they're just going to tell, Repu- you know, call Republican voters fascists and everything in between. But it's so bizarre to me to see this strategy in play. Have you ever in all your life in politics seen anyone go after the voters? Like I've heard of candidates attacking candidates, but isn't this a first for you in terms of attacking voters? Ever since I've been in Congress and Speaker Pelosi's been the Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. the vitriol towards the right – and I'm not just talking like like conservatives. I'm not mm-hmm. talking – I'm just talking any any person that's a Republican. I mean Nancy Pelosi called us on national TV. If you're a Republican congressman, you're a national security threat. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a domestic terrorist yeah. was the exact word that she used. So to use that type of language is very significant, and you're alienating – half of the country, and they just don't care. They don't care that they're alienating half the country. I, I, I think there's probably a part of them that know that there's no way that they, they win in November, so they're going to try to just attack as many people as they can, thinking that people will buy their, their, their BS from, oh, we're racist, we're, mm-hmm. we're intolerable of, you, you name it. And people won't either vote for us or go to vote or otherwise. And they, they've always used that as an attack. If they can't beat you on the facts or the law, they resort to name to, to name calling. They've oh, always done that. Yeah, like that is that is the M.O. here for sure. We're talking to Representative Greg Stubbe from the 17th Congressional District of Florida. And you know what's funny is like when you see that they have internally decided that this is the message. From here to the midterms, Republicans are fascists. If they've adopted this messaging and Biden himself is saying it on the campaign trail, doesn't it make it even harder to believe the White House had nothing to do with the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago? There is absolutely no way that they were not involved. And we know from some of the 
the um, whistleblower information that John Solomon got in some documents Mm -hmm. that months ago, I think it was like February or March, the White House, Joe Biden himself, um, did away with Trump's ability to use executive privilege as it related to some of these documents. So they knew way back then in March, February, March, whenever those documents were, whenever the the Biden administration himself um, removed executive privilege and Trump's ability to exert it on those documents that set up the stage for the FBI to do what they've done. There's no way that they were not involved. Of course, they're going to deny it, just like they deny all the other things that they deny that they were involved with, like the FBI had nothing to do with Russia, Russia collusion, like Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. And then when it comes out that it actually Hunter Biden's laptop is 100 percent true, then you just don't you just hear crickets. There's just there's no talk about it. And they just bury it. You know, Facebook buries it. Twitter buries it. Mainstream media doesn't talk about it. Thinking about the American people just won't. OK, well, we don't talk about it. They, they won't talk about it. Yeah, it's nuts, you know, because like Mark Zuckerberg flat out admitted that the FBI basically told them, yeah, this story is no good to, you know, shut it down. And when you look at polling, that tells you, you know, 10 percent of Biden voters would have switched their vote if they knew the story. You're just talking about a level of pass interference, like to put it in football games that really did kind of swing the game, you know, without getting too far well, into it the was weeds. like 18. Yeah, it was like 18 percent of people who would would have changed their vote, which absolutely would have changed the outcome of the election. And you had Mark Zuckerberg admit mm-hmm. that they violated the First Amendment and he doesn't care because they have liability protection. One of the things yep. that I've worked on in Congress and when we take the majority back, that's going to change. These guys are going to be held accountable legally for violating your constitutional rights. But if you watched and listened to the the response from the FBI, they didn't deny that they had the conversation. They just kind of recalibrated what the conversation was. Oh, we just gave them some general information to be aware of disinformation. So they admitted that they had the conversation with Facebook, yep. admitted that they told them that it was Russian disinformation. And we, we're in the process. I, I think we've sent the letter out. If not, we're going to mm-hmm. uh, this week to find out exactly who these agents were that had these conversations with the executives at Facebook. And when we take the majority back, we're going to be summoning, subpoenaing these individuals in to ask them very difficult questions on the record. Because if you interfere with elections in the manner in which they clearly admitted that they were, Mm -hmm. that's a violation of the United States law. And as an FBI agent, you could go to prison for that kind of stuff. Yeah, And And we're going to flush all that out when we take the majority. Yeah, no, I hope so, man, because you really think about it. They're out there yelling and screaming every day about Republicans ruining democracy. I'm like, dude, you guys are actually like fixing the game. I mean, it's dangerous stuff, man. So you definitely got your work cut out for you. And uh, if you run into Wesley Hunt, let me know, man, because I I still listen, I have you in the top two. Yeah. Hunt, Hunt is willing to okay. demote you to third, dude. I don't know. I, I you know, it's, right. it's controversial. Uh, and well, uh, he, he had nothing. If he a home run out of Nats Park, then he can come and talk. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley Hunt, the gauntlet has been thrown down. And no, believe me, he talked a lot of smack. And he loves you and he loves Byron Donalds. He just, he wanted credit. He just said his wardrobe is the real deal and bloppity boo. So I'm not trying to start trouble per se. I just wanted to make sure you got your, you knew that we stood up for you on the show is the point. I don't want to run into you and have a problem. You know what I'm saying, Stubby? That's all. I got you. I'm looking out for me. I appreciate that. But great work. And I'll tell I'll tell Hunt to start taking BP and we'll talk soon, all right, brother? Yeah. Be well, my man. All right. There he goes. The great Greg Stubby from the seventeenth Congressional District of Florida. Wesley Hunt, if you're listening and you might be, I know you tweeted a lot about the show. Stubby is still 
the only person in the history of this country to hit a home run at the congressional baseball game out of a major league park. He hit it at Nats Park. He didn't hit it with like the moved in wall like it was the Bad News Bears. He hit a real home run. And uh, that's not nothing. As guys like Wesley Hunt are running for office telling us they're the best dressed guys. I mean, it's a big talk, Wesley Hunt. I'm just telling you and your PR people that these guys care about this stuff. I'm trying to keep the party united. We can't have a fashion police get in a use of excessive force against one of the one of the members of society. But you talk about excessive force because the FBI, what they did. OK, we'll get into this a little bit with Shannon Bream is the FBI went to Facebook went to Mark Zuckerberg. Here is Mark Zuckerberg saying it. This came out on Friday while I was on my way out to Carson City. Here is Zuckerberg flat out saying the FBI warned us about Russian propaganda when the when the Hunter Biden story was on its way down the pike. Clip 25. Basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election, we have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was. It basically fit the pattern. Oh, but either way, whether they specifically said the story, or they just said be on high alert, there's a dump coming. Okay, they knew the Hunter Biden story was coming out because Miranda Devon in the New York Post were getting ready to publish it and had reached out to everybody for comment about Hunter Biden's business deals. Hunter's a dirtbag. But understand, the media's job is to hold people in power accountable. It's not to take the FBI's word for it, especially not after the FBI told him and told the rest of us that Donald Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. Never forget that the intelligence community in this country is the reason there was a Mueller probe, because they flat out ran with a fake story they knew was created by Hillary Clinton's campaign and used it in an attempt to upend Trump from office. Those people come back around with more dirt on Trump, and you're just supposed to take their word for it? Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But you understand Mark Zuckerberg did, because what he's leaving out of his conversation there is Mark Zuckerberg himself invested over $500 million dollars in the effort to stop Donald Trump. So this is what you got to get here. Zuckerberg, it's like a lot of people with the COVID regime. It's like a lot of people with the defund the police regime. Things that have turned out to be a huge detriment to this country, a lot of the people responsible for them are now trying to distance themselves from their actions. Okay? You saw this happen. I remember we told you this about Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo in the run-up to the 2020 election was flat out getting people killed in nursing homes. Okay, but the media, they gave him an Emmy. They built him up. They said this is the greatest leader in the world, even though he signed an executive order making COVID patients live in nursing homes, okay, with the most vulnerable segment of our population. They built him up to tear down Trump. This guy, this guy's the gold standard. 
Joe Biden called him the gold standard. And the answer is, I, I don't fully know. We've been leaving it to the governors. Thank God the governors have been moving. Your governor in New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Andrew Cuomo, the gold standard. Andrew Cuomo got thrown out of office because once the election was over and Andrew Cuomo's nefarious deeds got more attention to the press, they sh- people who were stumping for Andrew Cuomo strategically distanced themselves from Andrew Cuomo. It's no differently than people don't want to campaign with Joe Biden now. I play clips all the time. They helped get him into office, but now they want nothing to do with, you know, that friendship because of how poorly it's aged in terms of the quality of life in this country. And it's no different than the Hunter Biden stuff. The people who helped rig the election are trying to distance themselves from what they did. The only folks not doing so are the FBI. They're doubling down on their efforts to get Donald Trump. But you understand, as Greg Stubbe was just saying, when the Biden administration makes Donald Trump's a fascist, the centerpiece of its midterm message, you'd have to be an idiot not to believe they were in on the raid down at Mar-a-Lago. Okay, bottom line. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be wrapping with Shannon Bream in the next hour. She is the newly named host of Fox News Sunday. She's, of course, uh, replacing Chris Wallace. Get him out of here. Get him out. Wallace went over to CNN Plus. That lasted about 20 minutes. Now he's doing God knows what over there. He's on the channel, though. That's Chris Wallace, who is now over at CNN. CNN is the worst. Well, Shannon Bream, very much uh, not on CNN. She is the new face of Fox News Sunday. We're going to be discussing uh, the legality of student loan forgiveness as well as the next steps in the Mueller raid. Because according to the latest report, the Mueller raid, the Mar-a-Lago raid. I'm, I'm confusing all of my DOJ action against a political opponent. This, it's hard to keep up. There's been so much of it. It's so funny. Uh, the situation is the DOJ put out a report moments ago saying that they have reviewed all of the potential documents that might have been down at Mar-a-Lago. And this is significant because it means they know, you know, what's in the affidavit. They know specifically what they were looking for. We don't know because the affidavit is, you know, a billion percent redacted. If you looked at what they released, the only thing you can deduce for certain is that the FBI has got to be running low on black printer ink. There's just the whole affidavit is just page after page after page of black lines redacting the text. But Shannon Bream. She can read between the lines, okay? She is also our senior correspondent to the Supreme Court. I mean, this is a woman who knows things. So she is going to stop by and educate the masses uh, when we come back on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, we are over here lacing them up. For a big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We're cleaning the house right now. Shannon Bream is coming over. Remember when you're a little kid? You're having company. Your mom makes you clean your room and stuff. Doing all of that right now. I made Mikey get rid of all the beer cans in the studio. It's, it's a mess. We got, you know, we got company coming over. They're making their beds right now. 
It's a whole new house. And uh, we've got a lot to get to before she gets here uh, in regards to this FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. If you want to weigh in on any of it, 888-788-9910. And if you want to watch me on TV this week, uh, I am on the 5 today at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Tomorrow you can catch me on the Faulkner Focus at 1145. Tomorrow night I will be on Gutfeld with our lovable comedy dwarf Greg Gutfeld. Thursday night, I will be hosting Kennedy's show on the Fox Business Network. That's, of course, at 7 p.m. Eastern. And Saturday night, I will be with your main man, Lawrence Jones, uh, on his show, Lawrence Jones Cross Country. And why stop now? Next Monday is the Labor Day special uh, for the five. I will be on that as well. So I'm out there if you want to spend some TV time with your radio buddy. But if you want to spend some radio time, let's do it to it, girl. Here we go. Uh, Here's the conversation. This is where we pick up. Okay, when I left here on Thursday, we were getting the FBI. uh, We had just gotten a word from the judge presiding over the case who had signed off on the affidavit for a raid at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound. We had been promised we were going to get all of the information on why they staged the raid. Wrong. Instead, we got a redacted affidavit that left us with more questions than answers, by and large. We didn't get a specific reason for the raid. And the reason a lot of people were frustrated by that is this is something unprecedented in the 246-year history of our country. What we were told is, well, you know, there's classified information. That's bad. And we agree. But we didn't raid the homes of anyone else who mishandled classified information. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. So it seems a little weird that the only justification we've been given so far without any specificity is classified information. Because what you have to understand about why we are where we are is that this is all in regards to information Trump took home from the White House. And the reason I point that out is when you are leaving the White House, this is not, you know, you're checking out of a La Quinta And you've got to beat the 11 a.m. cutoff or they charge you for an extra day. This is like you don't grab everything and just throw it in your suitcase and hit the car, hit the rental car, whatever the hell you're going. Okay, you get packed up by the GSA, the General Services Administration. They pack you up and they index, they catalog every single thing you have. So when you leave there, they know you have classified information. They know you have highly sensitive documents. And so what happened in this instance is they knew. They reached out to Trump. They said, hey, some of that stuff we sent you home with was classified. Can you get it back to us? And the Trump uh, team sent them back 12 boxes of documents. So they went through the documents and they said, no, no, there's still more. Can you send us a little more? So they met with him again and the Trump team sent back even more boxes of documents. Now understand at this point, the GSA... The National Archives, they still don't have all the documents that Trump has in his possession. But do we have any proof that Trump knew that and not them? The answer would be no. It's significant. It's worth understanding. They packed him up. They knew what he took home. Meaning, I don't have this answer, but there is a world where they're looking for information from him that he doesn't even know he has. Okay, there is a world where they're giving him information, okay, requesting stuff back specifically that could voluntarily be turned over to them. There's a world where this could just be subpoenaed. There's a world, the point being, where you could do this without raiding a political opponent and plunging us into third world nation territory. 
But that's where we are right now. And it's a really disturbing place to find yourself as someone like me who really cares about the country is we've got a DOJ that has demonstrated again and again and again that they are not trustworthy. And now we see them doing something unprecedented to a political opponent. It's impossible to give them the benefit of the doubt. I played this clip in the last hour. I want to play it one more time really quick. Mark Zuckerberg, while we were heading out to Carson City last weekend, was on Joe Rogan's podcast and flat out admitted that the FBI set them up to ban the Hunter Biden story. Here it is, clip 25. Basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern. What the hell is the world coming to? So you understand the FBI comes to him and says, be careful. Something's about to get dumped. That's Russian disinformation. That is significant. Why is it significant? Because the FBI and the director of national intelligence at the time had determined that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true. He knows what he's talking about. So you understand, when they go to him and they say there's a big Russian disinformation dump coming, the point I'm making is that they know they're lying to him. They are lying to him and telling him to suppress this information. Whatever happens to be coming down the pike, just make sure you suppress this information because it's Russian disinformation. But they're saying that knowing it's not true which means they are engaging in legitimate election interference, like game-changing election interference. You're talking about a level of story that would have swung the election. Here is Mark Zuckerberg. Here's the follow-up to that. It's clip 26. Is there regret for not having it evenly distributed and for throttling the distribution of that story? What do you mean evenly distributed? I mean evenly in that it's not suppressed. It's not. Yeah, some- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it sucks. Come on, man. You gotta do better than that. He doesn't regret anything. He invested. This is the part like Rogan. Where's this question? The guy spent five hundred million dollars trying to stop Trump in twenty twenty. Spent five hundred million of his own dollars, and you're gonna tell me he regrets? He regrets that he limited the reach of the Hunter Biden story. Come on, man. Stop lying to us. Give me a break. It's absurd on its face. They all know what they did. And the point is, that's why it's hard to believe they're not still doing it when it comes to the raid at Mar-a-Lago. This came up on Bill Maher's show over the weekend. Okay. Because he's talking to Rob Reiner, who's as big of a pandering jackass as anybody who's ever lived. And they were talking about, you know, the press burying the Hunter Biden laptop story. And Rob Reiner with a straight face, even after this Mark Zuckerberg clip makes the rounds, Rob Reiner with a straight face tries to say, oh, I didn't know. I don't I don't think they buried the Hunter Biden laptop story. Dude, can you imagine what a partisan hack shill you have to be? But anyway, here it is. Clip 22. 
It's a little bit of a thorny question because once you go down this road, this is sort of where we are in this country. The other side is so evil, anything is justified in preventing them from taking office. Is it? No. You know what's not justified? Using armed violence to try to kill people in the Capitol. That's not justified. Answer this question. Well, is was the it appropriate? The question is, was, was it press? appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. Well, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this. Saying you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. <laughs> this guy's a serious ass. Dude, flat out, we know, do you know that the media banned the Hunter Biden laptop story? Do you know that to be true? Yes. Why? Because they wrote entire essays explaining why they were banning the story. Like it happened. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. But you see, Rob Reiner, and this is worth bringing up. Okay, he's being asked by Bill Maher about what? That we've gone down a road in this country where we're saying the other side is so evil that anything would be justified to stop them from taking office. The Democrats believe this. Defunding police, that would have been necessary to stop Trump from taking office again. That's why they were out there campaigning against the cops, making every city more dangerous in this country. Okay, railroading him out with a Russian collusion probe that was started by the Clinton campaign. That, in their minds, was justified because Trump is that dangerous. Okay, suppressing the Hunter Biden story. That's justified because Trump is that dangerous. But do you understand that the people who are warning us about how dangerous Trump is are the ones who keep on breaking the law? Correct the mundo. No, this guy's so dangerous. He's such a criminal. We got to get rid of him. So we're breaking the law. Do you get it? Here's a little more of it. Clip 23. Hunter Biden's laptop, which was a story, and now all the mainstream press has finally admitted it was a real story. It was a real laptop. He was selling the influence of his father, Joe Biden. I mean, most political sons do. Let's not pretend that at least wasn't going on. Hunter Biden's laptop was buried by the press. Even the head of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, said that was a mistake. They buried the story because they remembered what happened with James Comey and the letter 11 days before the 2016 election. Comey said, we've got to reopen this email investigation with Hillary Clinton. This was probably the last thing that sunk her. Sam Harris says it was appropriate for Twitter and the heads of big tech and the heads of journalistic organizations to feel that they were in the presence of something that is a once-in-a-lifetime moral emergency, meaning Trump. He's saying it's okay to have a conspiracy, to get rid of somebody as bad as Trump. So you understand, okay, Bill Maher, before you give him any medals, Bill Maher wasn't fighting for the release of the Hunter Biden laptop story in the lead-up to the 2020 election. He is just as guilty as the rest of them. But Bill Maher has the horse sense to distance himself from what happened because he realizes every day you get a little bit closer to finding out that the conspiracy was true. You dig? You see, the way these things work is through social pressure campaigns. Half the country was convinced Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin because they got the entirety of the media to say he was. So every day the walls were closing in. We got another bombshell leak and people become scared to say, whoa, wait, what a minute. What if he's not a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin, which is what ultimately happened. The Mueller probe came and went and they had nothing. 
Okay, in the Hunter Biden story, same thing. It's a it becomes a social pressure campaign. It's Russian disinformation. It's Russian disinformation. You can't go near it. I'm telling you, it's Russian disinformation. The media is a bunch of losers. But people follow along because they feel this intense pressure. It's no different than the vaccine. Think of how people were banned from polite society, thrown off Twitter. If you said vaccinated people get and spread COVID fired from your job if you didn't want to get the vaccine on the grounds that it wasn't going to stop you from getting COVID. And what do we come to find out a year later? Oh, by the way, you were right. You were right about Russian collusion. You were right about Hunter Biden's laptop. You were right about the vaccine. But these are all things you would have been chased out of town for admitting. Because, again, the adage I tell you endlessly on the show, when you have the facts, pound the facts, when you have nothing, pound the table. The Democrats pound the table so hard that a lot of idiots like Rob Reiner believe it. Because their emotions are their facts. You make them feel emotionally that, oh, this guy's a criminal. With no regard for the fact that the people calling him a criminal are endlessly breaking the law in order to get their supposed criminal buddy. Here is Amy Klobuchar peddling crap that Trump literally led an armed insurrection. He was out there. He was on the front lines leading it, she says. There's never been a more shamelessly stupid class of people. Here it is, clip 24. I think you have to uh, you have to make sure that you're treating people fairly. But I think Rob's point here is that we are dealing um, with a man who used to be the president right now who literally tried to lead an armed insurrection. And that's why we're so focused on this right now. And I have not been, as you've noticed, as bombastic <laughs> as my friend here um, about, what's, about what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. About what's going to happen coming out of the what we just got out of yeah. what they just got out of Mar-a-Lago. I don't know. And just as I don't know what's going to happen in these cases, I right. believe you got to let the Justice Department do their jobs. Such an idiot. This is pretty much the worst video ever made. OK, when she says now the president literally led and armed insurrection. <laughs> no, he didn't. He wasn't out there on the front line saying, let's get him. He did say, go down to the Capitol, peacefully protest, let your voices be heard. But he wasn't there leading the charge, number one. Number two, they weren't armed. Okay, it wasn't an insurrection. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. It was bad. I condemned it because I was on the air the minute it happened. I thought it was disgusting. But they're trying to repurpose this as something else because it justifies their nefarious deeds. If you brandish this as a deadly white supremacist insurrection, a lot of people will be on your side when it comes to overreaching to shut this thing down. And that's what they're trying to sell here with the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Well, don't get me wrong. It's a deadly white supremacist insurrection this guy led. Of course we've got to use excessive force to stop this sort of thing. But at this point, the only thing any of us should be scared of, anything, is the actual people that are trying to stop Trump. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be talking to Shannon Bream in the next break. So what I was alluding to earlier in analyzing Bill Maher's comments, Bill Maher said what? We've gotten to a place in our society where we're now claiming the other side is so evil that anything would be justified in an attempt to stop them. 
Okay, Joe Biden is part of that message. Here is Joe Biden saying MAGA Republicans are flat out a threat to our democracy. Clip one. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. I mean, dude. Biden sucks. He's just the worst. Do you understand? But when that's what you're selling your voter, these are, they're a threat to our democracy. Okay, and your voters had to be, well, I know we went a little far with this FBI raid, but I mean, they're a threat to our democracy. I mean, we got, that's what they're doing. They're unpersoning Republican voters. And that's, dude, it's disgusting. Okay, it's disgusting. And it's born out of desperation that they have no other offer. There's no deliverable. What can Biden say to voters? What can Democrats say in the midterms? If the question is, are you better off now than you were two years ago? The resounding answer to that question is no, not even a little, not even kind of. Okay, people are decimated compared to where they were two years ago. And by the way, if you look at the top 10 states in the country for job creation, you know what all 10 of them have in common? Are you ready for it? All 10 of them, all 10 are Republican. Think about that. So the Democratic leadership has done nothing. But they've sat here again and again and again and said the other guys are racist, so vote for us. We're giving you some college forgiveness because the other guys are racist. Give me, a, I mean, this is what we're talking about here. <laughs> we're telling your little kid he can change his gender in kindergarten because the other guys are racist. I mean, it's stupid. The things they're doing, the culture war battles they're starting, but it's a lot easier for them than actually helping people and improving their lives. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who was, you know, I was out in Reno doing stand-up all weekend. I was not in the Washington, D.C. area singing karaoke in the back of Ubers. Uh, This next guest very well may have. Uh, She is, of course, the newly named superstar host of Fox News Sunday. Uh, You know her and you love her. Shannon Bream back on the show. Hey, girl. Jimmy, how are you? Um, Better now uh, that I get a chance to talk to the winner of Uber Idol. Is it true that you (laughs) sang your way through D.C.? This poor guy, he really was like kind of chuckling. I don't know if he was like, I cannot wait to get this idiot out of my Uber. But he just happened to have on a channel that like I knew all the songs and dating myself. But it was a lot of fun. And I just sort of sang along. My husband sort of looked at me like, please stop. But... (laughs) He might have sung along on a couple of, of bars here and there, too. A few well, hums. There is. I want to jump in. I don't know what it is about Washington, D.C. livery vehicles. But our, mutual, our, yeah, our <laughs> mutual pal and I, Kennedy, uh, famously, the weekend of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, almost got thrown out and banned from D.C. Uh-oh. Uber because the same thing. Like, we started singing. I mean, we might have been, you know, a few minutes removed from Inebriated? A, yeah. Five, there was a five-hour <laughs> open bar. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but the point is, we played an extended step with, like, two encores that nobody requested. Dang. So I feel it. But, you know, sometimes people can really get into it with you, like, okay, this is good natured. I'm going to sing along, too. And other times they're like, you are going to a one-star rating, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not sure what happened. I should check my rating before the ride and right after to see what happened. Yeah, I was going to say, have you been able to hail a ride since? <laughs> we <checked>. don't know. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, Shannon Bream, since we're talking about, you know, we're name dropping and we're talking taxis. The other day I was in front of Fox News and my man battling Bill Hemmer was getting into a cab. Mm-hmm. But he let the 
cab go because he wanted to discuss student loan forgiveness. This is a real oh. story. I was going across the street to, you know, sign for a five-year financing deal so I could buy a, a sandwich in Times Square. Exactly. You know, you know how they price takes. things here? You got to get a you got to get a co-signer to get a turkey sandwich in Times Square. I will sign for you. Oh, shout out bring me the best. So Bill Hemmer actually said, he goes, hey, Jimmy, so what do you think of this student loan thing? He goes, just that's contract law. So I wanted to ask you this. Isn't it? Is it not contract law or is there a workaround because the government's involved? Like, how does it work? Well, listen, people will argue, including the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, just months ago, that this is work that Congress does. This is not something the executive branch can do. So I've already seen a lot of people bubbling up out there kind of about that there are, you know, lawsuits coming, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, I'd be surprised that there's not one by today. Um, but well, I think once this program gets formally going, you're going to see an immediate legal challenge. And the truth is, if it gets all the way to the Supreme Court, which very few cases do, they are not fans of broad use of executive power by the executive branch. You'll remember during COVID, they shut down the CDC, was trying to ban evictions. Like the CDC is about Centers for Disease Control, and they were trying to get into the eviction banning business. When OSHA tried to say, like, every workplace, because of safety concerns, and we run workplace safety, you're going to have to get mandatory vaccines, they shut that down. And there are a number of examples of where they really reign in the executive branch when they think it's gone too far. So I think people who think there's a good legal challenge to this, um, they've got a point. Wow, that's interesting. We're talking to Shannon Bream, if you're just joining us. Um, the, the the point here, because I heard Chris Christie make it over the weekend, I heard a lot of people make it, okay, is there's two dueling issues. One is the legality, which you mentioned. The other just does seem like we're talking about the fundamental fairness. Like when you were singing your way through D.C. the other night, it wouldn't have been fair for me to have to fit the bill for that ride. But mm-hmm. isn't that essentially what we're doing here when it comes to the colleges? You know, one of the best pieces I've seen on this was a guy named Charles Stallworth who wrote an opinion piece for Newsweek, and he identifies himself as a union railroad worker. And he called it the height of elitism that people would think that blue-collar people who keep this country going and are working hard every day and putting food on the you know table for their families, that they're the ones who should have to pay for the people who have college degrees that maybe aren't working out as great for them when they're the ones who agreed to take on the loan. And, And just reading his piece, I thought, this is common sense to most of us who have ever incurred a debt. I got in over my head with credit card debt as a youngster and mm-hmm. made some stupid decisions, and I had to dig myself out of that hole. Mm-hmm. Um, you can debate the efficacy of college degrees and whether they're worth the money, but if you signed on the dotted line, you know, somebody's responsible. And if you talk about forgiveness or cancellation, no, no, somebody's going to pay it. It just may not be the person who actually signed on the dotted line. It's so crazy. You know, I keep saying it's like, imagine getting a bill in the mail from Applebee's, but you didn't go to Applebee's. You know, they're not even throwing me a chicken finger. I mean, you know, people in Washington, is there a potato skin coming my way for this Applebee's meal or am I just supposed to pay the receipt? I think you're just getting the bill. I mean, what it, and, you know, there have been so many um, analyses uh-huh. out there of this. Mm-hmm. A lot of non, nonpartisan groups saying, you know, one estimate is $2,000 per taxpayer that this is going to cost everybody, whether you went to college or not, whether you took a loan or not. And I think that just fundamentally for most Americans doesn't ring fair. There are unfair things in life. You know, we had a guest on the other night. She said, I don't have kids. I pay taxes that fund um, education for K through 12. And I'm like, yeah, but those K through 12 kids aren't going and signing up for loans by themselves (laughs) and saying, I'm going to have this loan and then I'm going to make somebody else pay it. I mean, these are the majority of student loan um, is held by grad school and people with grad degrees. So these are choices you're making as an adult when you're legally able to go sign on the dotted line for something. And, you know, the whole argument, well, what about my car loan? What about my mortgage? 
about my rent. These things are too much for me now. Yeah. Um, there's only so much the government can or should do. That's a great point. Yeah, I saw because I saw Biden on Thursday. He was reminding people. He's like, mm-hmm. well, just look at it on the bright side. Now that the student debt has been erased for you, you can go get a mortgage. And I'm like, hello, if you didn't pay <laughs> off the $10,000 loan. I mean, again, if I, if I saw a guy get beat up by a third grader, I wouldn't tell him, congratulations, you can fight Mike Tyson next. You know, mm-hmm. it seems yeah. like... And, and- yeah, and, and the world of mortgages is very different, as we all know, than it was back in 2008 when mm-hmm. there was this nasty crash that hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much, much tougher now. And, and I understand young people are you know, moving home. They're living with friends. They're delaying marriage and kids and all those kinds of things. But that's a much bigger and broader conversation than just $10,000 worth of student loans. Spot on. We're talking to Shannon Bream, the newly named host of Fox News Sunday. Uh, that's, that, but that's assuming you don't win American Idol and go on tour, correct? Um, I think it's safe to say I'm not that delusional, um, <laughs> but I am counting on you for week one of Fox News Sunday. You've promised you're going to be my lead guest, so don't try to back out. You That's promised, what's happening, right? You'd promise I'd be eating craft services in the green room. You're like, Jimmy, we just, we got, we got there's so much extra cheese and crackers this we week, got Jimmy. We snacks. Come on down. If, if you can just jump on an Amtrak. Oh, it's so funny. Um, give me this in English, Shannon Bream, because you know things. When the DOJ says it's done looking at the documents from the Mar-a-Lago raid, is that the affidavit? Is that the individual information Trump possessed, or do we not know? It, I think what they probably mean, and I would need to go back and read this because I'm not going to lie, I saw it on my phone yeah. as an alert while I was running home to come talk to you. Oh. Um, but we know that in the affidavit, the part that was unsealed, they identified that they had these so-called taint teams that were going to look through the documents. That's something the FBI would do where they've got different members of the team who look through materials that if they're attorney-client privilege or something that shouldn't go to the investigators, they siphon it out and it doesn't go to the investigative team. That's smart. They would know that probably the Trump team would ask for that. Now that they've requested this special master, that it may be too late. I mean, if what we're talking about are the documents they took from Mar-a-Lago, that taint team may have already gone through them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the Trump team is right to keep pushing for that. They probably should have asked earlier. Um, but if the material's already been sort of combed through, mm-hmm. then that job may already be done and not with the special master, you know, sort of independent third party that the Trump team wants now. Okay. Uh, and answer me this. Is there any way the FBI still has black printer ink left after all those redactions? Listen, uh, the, I, everything we request, you've seen the good old FOIA request every time you ask for something. You know, we try to warn people, like, it's going to be half-redacted if we're lucky. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and there are people who argue against releasing any of the affidavit because they're like, all yeah. the good stuff is right there, and people are going to have conspiracy theories about, like, oh, this is so terrible for President Trump, or there's nothing there, and that's why it's not more exciting because there have been leaks, as we all know, about what's gone on at Mar-a-Lago and about the back and forth and about the documents. And so, you know, a lot of smart folks out there posit, well, if there was some really terrible stuff that's even worse, what they've claimed, nuclear records or whatever, we'd probably already have that leaked out now. So the DOJ is in court arguing against release of this material, but there are people quoting DOJ sources to the New York Times, the Washington Post, other places about what's under those redacted lines. So if it was super awful, terrible World War III stuff, Mm -hmm. would it have leaked by now? Yeah, there's just there's no way they could sit on that. There's just none, especially not when we've seen so many other bombshell leaks. And there's other one other thing I wanted to run by you. Okay, is it's my understanding that when the GSA is packing a president to leave the White House, they're kind of indexing what they're packing. And it's kind of being portrayed as if he was like leaving a La Quinta at 1055 because he didn't want to be charged for another day and he just packs his own suitcase. But to some extent, isn't the government kind of apprised of what he has coming home with him? 
Well, the GSC has really pushed back on the fact that uh, that they had knowledge of the contents of okay. what was being packed. They they sort of are, are acting more like they're the the guys who come up to pack after you've already packed okay. to leave. Like they came and picked up the suitcase. Okay. Um, that's the impression I'm getting from GSA is that they um, that they say the president's team or people associated with the president or someone other than them knew the contents of what was going in these boxes and that they are responsible physically for just getting them from point A to point B. There are members of Trump's team that have pushed back on that and said that's not accurate. So that's a very he said, he said kind of thing at this point. Tough. I don't know that the GSA just got paid pizza and beer to move this guy. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes that's the most effective when you need to move a piano or a couch or something. Or 15 boxes of classified information. You just, you know, <laughs> hey, we got pizza and beer. We're heading down to Mar-a-Lago. And some nuclear codes. It's all going. <laughs> well, that's my other favorite one. They're talking I don't about know. The... I don't. Only the GSA and the president know. That's my favorite. They talked about the nuclear codes like it was a Netflix password. Like when two people break up, you can still use their account. Like mm-hmm. something tells me the nuclear codes have a little more oversight than that. I think that they might cycle through um, more um, actively than every 18 to 24 months. But I'm just guessing. That's not my area of expertise. Yeah, I don't have a security clearance, but I'd like to think, Mm -hmm. Shannon Bream. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're right. Well, you are the cat's pajamas. Uh, We wish you the best of luck with your new album. Uh, We'll be there to buy it. We'll go down to the (laughs) Sam Goody or Tower Records or wherever you're having the big... Oh my gosh, the good old days. Or you can join that um, club that I run where you get eight cassettes for a penny every month. (laughs) Yeah, what can I tell you? I'll sign you up. Just send me your credit card information. I'll take care of it. You know what I loved about those deals, Shannon Bream, like the 10 CDs for a penny? It mm-hmm. was a legit thing, but that 11th CD was a different set of fine print. It was, was like it $695 <laughs> for that last one. I'm, going to, I'm taking well, a, You're such a youngster. I'm talking about cassettes. You're already up to the CDs. Well, listen, I was on the tail end of the cassettes, so you know. I had uh, a mm-hmm. band called Living Color, and I had Salt and Pepper Push oh, It. I had I Push It. Living Color. Cult yes. of Personality. Thank you. Had them both. songs ever. Well, those were cassettes, but once the CDs right. got involved, that's when uh, your buddy Jimmy Fallon started to get in a little trouble with BMG and Columbia Uh-oh. House because that's what it was. I owed, like <laughs> like you said, $600 for like a Color Me Bad CD. I, I know. Like, I mean, Living Color is one thing. Yeah. Color Me Bad is another one. Yeah. I, I don't know. Only you could get me to admit that on the air. Let's get off the phone while I'm still ahead. Uh, you're the best, Shannon Bream. <laughs> Talk to you soon. There she goes. The great Shannon Bream. Watch her every Sunday on Fox News Sunday, uh, the newly named host of that legacy program. Uh, quick break back after this. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're here in the bottom of the ninth. I'm getting ready to go do the five. Highest rated show in all the Fox News. Highest rated show in cable news. That's kind of a big day. You're a former cab driver who went to community college. Uh, of course, none of this success is possible without your fine self. So if you're one of these superstar ride-or-die Fox Across America fans who's been here since day one, understand that you are the gasoline powering this thing. And thank God it's you and not real gasoline because I could not afford the real gasoline for this type of journey. Uh, we have covered a lot of ground. Uh, but seriously, I said it at the top of the show. I'm saying it here towards the end. If you came out uh, to the Carson Nugget over the weekend, it was just such a first-class uh, hang. It was just world-class. You guys are so awesome. And I have more dates coming. Uh, October the 15th, I'm going to be at the Bridgeview Center in Ottumwa, Iowa. You can get tickets for that at Ticketmaster.com. That is October 15th, Saturday night in Iowa. 
Uh, and, of course, Saturday night, November the 5th, I am going to be at the Red Rocks Resort in Vegas. That is a banger. And the first show sold out. We're getting ready to add a second show. Uh, you can also get tickets for that at Ticketmaster right now. And, uh, I mean, wild stuff. It's it crazy to me. Because understand, like a year ago, this wasn't happening. I was doing a lot of TV. I was doing Godfellow. I was doing a lot of cool shows here at Fox. But, you know, it takes time for that exposure to catch up for you uh, and, and there to actually be a market for what you do when you come to town. And understand, this is really new for me and my career, and it's an amazing thing to be a part of. But what I enjoy the most is not like the notoriety, and certainly the money's probably a little bit better than when I was a cab driver. Uh, It's the fact that the people coming to see me are amazing. Like, you guys are so cool. And there's not, like, one jerk. Nobody's getting thrown out. Nobody's heckling. Not in a bad way. I mean, I got a lot of people that talk to comedians because they think they're watching television. We had a girl at the second show Saturday night that I think I did three minutes of my act because this hilarious woman and her husband, uh, and literally everything I said she had a comment on. And they were fun. It was just we went back and forth. She was a good good, uh, good sport. And, I, you know, it just dunked all over her for an hour. But it was, like, a great time. Everybody's been awesome. So thank you for being a part of that if you were out at the Nuggets. Uh, for for real, for real, uh, you are the wind beneath my wings. I will stop now before we get into Bette Midler stuff because there's one other clip. There's one other acceptance speech that I heard over the weekend that I wasn't fond of. This is Lizzo with the MTV VMAs. Now, not a lot of people are watching the VMAs at this point. One of the main reasons why is, you know, the running joke is that MTV hasn't actually played a music video since the Clinton administration. Think about that. The last, the last time MTV was known for music television, uh, White House interns were known for being humidors. I believe that together we can make America great again. But here is Lizzo uh, saying America is not great. We're oppressing people like her. Clip 11. I don't know (laughs) what uh, music video for good means, but I do know what your vote means, and that's a lot. Your vote means everything to me. It means everything to making a change in this country. So remember when you're voting for your favorite artist, vote to change some of these laws that are oppressing us. I mean, it's so stupid. You know, Lizzo, yeah. What what where is the oppression in your life? If you're wearing a fifty thousand dollar gown and you're wearing I don't I mean, if you saw what she was wearing, which by the way, it's basically a pool cover. I don't know what you describe it as. She's t- taking a lot of heat on Twitter though, uh, for her outfit. But getting past that, let's defund the fashion police for a minute. Um, where is the oppression in Lizzo's life? Okay, where is the oppression in anyone's life here in the country? We are the place that everyone in the world is migrating to. We are the place people are sneaking into, people are being trafficked, people are willing to get into tractor trailers. People are risking their lives on a perilous journey in which 30% of the women who take it get sexually assaulted, yet they're still trying to get here. Think about that, Lizzo. Okay, people are willing to risk sexual assault to be here. In the next breath, you're trying to tell them that people are oppressed in this country. Are you stupid or something? It's definitely a little dumb to make that comment. And it's the part that bothers me because I think when you go to my shows— That's the one common thread that makes it such a good vibe is that we're all in on the joke. That's what makes this show work. We're all in on the joke. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in this country we don't like. But the things you do like about America uh, are 99 percent of them. Ninety nine percent of what goes on in this country is amazing. It's America. It's a place where a guy like me who was a cab driver could be appearing today on the five, the highest rated show in cable news. I mean, that's a big deal. But if I can do it, you can do it. Why? Because you have this thing called freedom. And that's why I go nuts when I see, like, you know, dopey celebrities. Yo, shut up. In what other country 
You know, could you really be living this way with this level of prosperity at your disposal and then in the next breath telling everybody how much it sucks here? But that's the daily reminder I try to give you about perspective is your happiness is never going to be determined by money or accomplishment. Me, Jenny, and Lincoln were just as happy with my cab driving salary as we are with me being on TV and radio because we just knew how to enjoy ourselves. That's the bottom line. You're in the fun business. You're not in the rich business. Okay, you're in the happiness business. And watching award ceremonies is a constant reminder that there's plenty of people out there in this country that are rich but aren't actually happy. And that's why I can't watch award ceremonies. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. Bottom line. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.